Welcome aboard! We will be your guides during this magical journey into the movies. It's the perfect job for us because we love the movies. It's showtime! Ready when you are, CB! Action! Welcome to Monoreal Radio, episode number 171. I'm Sean. And I'm Jackie. Here for our annual Year in Review. 2021, the Year in Review. Yeah, if you guys have been with us from the start, you basically know how this is going to go. If you haven't been with us, if this is your first year in review with us, we're more or less just going to give like a quick crash course of everything that happened, whether it be film or television, on Disney Plus or in movie theaters. Well, I think that's what is the most memorable thing for me this year was the return to the movie theaters. We've always done our year in review show. Well, when we go to the movies, we usually do a monoreal in a minute review. Uh, if you follow us on social media, we post our initial reaction, 60 seconds long, whatever happens, happens, whatever we're able to cram in and, and discuss about the movie in that little bit of time. It's just a brain dump as soon as we've seen the film. So we're going to give you a little bit more of our thoughts on some of those films and, and the new releases now but not not the full review. Some of them we have covered already because we pretty much spent the month of September talking about the bigger releases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of them we've done and some of them we'll do a more in-depth, full hour long next year. For sure. But uh, we are really excited to get into this because so much happened this year. There was so much high-quality Disney content, and that is what we are here to discuss today. This episode is sponsored by the Hidden Mickey Supply Co. Products include Disney and Pixar-inspired 3D straw charms. Listeners of Monoreal Radio can get a 10% discount with the code MONOREAL10 at checkout. Visit Instagram or Etsy, search for Hidden Mickey Supply Co., and shop for all of your straw charm needs. All right, uh, let's start with television. Uh, WandaVision, that was the first big one. I think, for the most part... 2021, when it comes to television shows, is the year of the MCU. For sure. So let's start there. It premiered on uh, January 15th of 2021. And I have such a roller coaster of emotion when it comes to WandaVision. Well, before we get into... The actual discussion, I remember this time last year, the hype building up to it. Because, you know, you've got that weird week between Christmas and New Year's. Everybody's kind of like got a holiday hangover. Yeah. And you're just chilling on the couch anyway. And I remember I could not wait for this thing to drop. I, w I wish they would have released it in that week before New Year's so you could just sit and binge it. But that was also another, that was the first groundbreaking thing about it. Well, maybe not groundbreaking because Mandalorian follows the same format. With the episodic release. With the episodic weekly. release, yeah. But this show, I think, capitalized on it. Because this is where people were getting up on the East Coast, at least. They were getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Our friend Lisa from the Castle Run would be up at 3 o'clock in the morning every Wednesday to watch WandaVision. I love how into it she was. And, you know, the other thing that changes this with this, too, is we were getting episodic releases on Fridays. They changed it now to Wednesdays because of the success of WandaVision. Right. So WandaVision really did set the table for what was going to be a tremendous year for the MCU. Now, when it comes to WandaVision as a completed project, I loved... 
where it was going. The Every week, they were just getting better and better and better. And I've talked about this on the show before. The one time we jump on board with, let's get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch it, is for the uh, series finale. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, let's call it what it is. They didn't finish it. We know they didn't finish it. So, like... I have gone back and rewatched WandaVision. And as good as the first like seven episodes are, that finale just falls so flat. And and I and Catherine Hahn is so good. Like it just didn't end the right way. And I know that maybe sounds jaded and perhaps a little bit biased, but I don't I don't have the same enthusiasm for WandaVision as a whole as I did when the parts were building up to what was the whole. I completely agree. I absolutely loved it week to week. Um, I was not a big Elizabeth Olsen fan going into it. Um, You know, she's done some offbeat independent films, um, which have been good. She's been okay in them, but I was just never like a huge fan and I was never that big a fan of the character. Uh, and WandaVision completely changed that for me. I love where they took Scarlet Witch. Um, I love the backstory they gave us and I loved seeing her relationship with Vision play out. Um more than anything, though, I love what a love letter this was to television through the eras. And that's really what made me fall in love with Elizabeth Olsen even more is because her and Paul Bettany, I thought, just nailed every single era of television. They got the different comedic timings of the different sitcoms and just the way that they were able to blend the old and the new seamlessly, where they were able to pay tribute to these classic shows and make it all work in service of the story. It, it was just so innovative and so well done. And you could tell that everyone in this cast and crew truly did their homework when it came to researching the shows and just absolutely nailing these these different eras of television and making it work for these modern characters. Um, it, it, it was just incredible. Right up to, as you said, the finale. Um, You know, we usually do a bonus episode when there's a big release of a show like this. Like we did a bonus episode reviewing the entire Mandalorian first series because we loved it so much. But there's a reason that we've sort of shied away from doing a full bonus episode on WandaVision. And the finale for me is it. Um, I totally agree with you. Um... I really don't like that last scene where she's alone in the cabin. I I like what Scarlet Witch is doing. That image is very cool. And obviously we're going to see that play out on down the line. Um, I think I would have been more okay with it had Kevin Feige not gone on record and said, well, we didn't finish because we would have never known. We would have just had to take the piece of media we got and interpret it in our own way, and that would have been fine. Now you've told me I'm missing something, and I want to know what it is. Uh, But even more than that, even before the last scene, for me, it was that final showdown with Agatha. I loved Agatha Harkness 
I mean, who didn't? Hello. And now she's getting her own spinoff series. And I mean, do we even need to get into... We didn't talk about the music. The music also is what set this this show apart, leaps and bounds from anything else we've seen. Um, But I just didn't feel that an epic showdown with the villain was in the same spirit as the rest of the series. I don't think that we needed that. And especially for Ag- uh, for Agatha's character. Right. Um, I feel like it was always her and Scarlet Witch sort of matching wits. I don't think we needed to see all the power. You know, like, we've seen it from Scarlet Witch when she battled Thanos. That's what I expected of her to go up against the big bad. For somebody that's been hiding in plain sight the entire time, I didn't need to see them go at it like that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think WandaVision, you know, there's that term that the sum is better than the parts. I think in WandaVision's case, the part, the parts are better than the sum, as strange as that may seem. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, this debuted on March 19th. I like them. I like each of them as characters, but I have to be honest with you. I don't have much to say on this show because I just didn't find either of them I don't know if it's I don't know if it's how they were written. I just did I personally did not find them endearing enough to care about this story. Um it's not that it was boring but I, I kind of just felt like it was there. Like, I would have almost preferred you just give them each a film to expand on their characters and expand on their stories. Um, I, I mean, the show was fine. It just, it, it, it was, I gotta be honest, it, it, considering it's the MCU we're talking about, it was forgettable. Um, I kind of felt that this was forgettable for me. I don't think it was. Um... I liked Anthony Mackie stepping into this role. Um, I also do appreciate what they did with the story, making it very timely, very poignant. Uh, And coming at the issue of social justice from every single angle. Uh, I thought they did a wonderful job with that. What killed the series for me was that I didn't like Carly. Yeah. I didn't like yeah. her as a villain. I didn't like her role in the story. Um that's what it just wasn't an interesting enough conflict for me and that's what that's where I was having trouble engaging in the show. I really wish that they had done more with Sharon Carter and I feel like that would have made for the better six-part series. For sure. Loki came out June 9th and I had such high hopes for Loki. Um, I know that this program in particular, like, you either loved it or you hated it. I don't think... I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I'm just confused by it. And perhaps, I, you know, this is something where if you, like, really read a lot of the comic books, you don't get lost I w- at first I was into the quirkiness of it, but it tried to like out quirky its quirky to the point where it was just kind of a mess. Um, 
I, I kind of want to see more because I, because I want clarity. Um, I, I think the concept was interesting. I'll put it to you this way: of the one, two, one, two, three, four MCU shows, as kind of forgettable as I felt Falcon and Winter Soldier was. I would rank it ahead of Loki on my list of preference when it comes to where I stack this year's slate of MCU television shows. For me, as disappointing as the ending of Wanda was, I think that was still better than Loki. And it really grieves me to say it because when they announced this for Disney Plus. You and I were all about it. We we were so excited to see it. Uh when we finally got a trailer, we were all about it. Um I think for me the biggest issue is that I like Loki better as a plot device than I do as a leading character. I think what makes and and I get it the whole point of the show was to really like delve into what makes him tick I I totally get what we were trying to do but I love him either sabotaging Thor or when they do put their differences aside to buddy up for long enough to to get along and help each other out that's where he shines the brightest for me um I think my other big issue with the show, and this is going to sound really like an odd criticism, I think, is that it was too sci-fi. I almost feel like that's a strange thing to say because the world that we know that they've built around Thor, the world of Asgard, is so fantastical. But there is a difference between fantasy and sci-fi. And I feel like this series was so disconnected from the world of Thor. I didn't care that it was disconnected. It just got too weird. And I think a lot of that came from the lack of sets and the lack of practical builds. I don't mind all the CGI because really, I mean, that's what Thor is. That's what Guardians of the Galaxy is. Like it's, you know, it's what we've become very used to. But for how this show starts out, I just didn't like all of these wide open spaces. And what I guess I was expecting more of was something like Endgame where you see that Loki has the Tesseract now, he's escaped. I really thought we were going to see a little bit more of the time travel and perhaps what he's doing now with the Tesseract affects different storylines that we've already seen play out almost like a what if and I get why they they probably strayed away from it because they have what if because we just saw it in Endgame but to me that's the whole character is he's messing with stuff and even when they they did I mean the the Pompeii scene was cool that was really cool but I thought there was going to be more like that where he's and, and the way they set it up too where where um I forget I forget his name, where he was playing the guy that disappeared with all the the money in the suitcase. Yeah, with all the variants you're talking about. Yes, I thought that's what we were going to see more of, was him just inserting himself in these major historical events, and that just didn't happen. Right. Now, the last show that we got this year, I'm just going to go ahead and put this out here now. 
is not only the best show that the MCU put out this year, it's one of the best things the MCU has produced, period. And did you ever think that you'd be saying that about a Hawkeye series? No, I gotta be honest, I didn't. And I am so pleasantly surprised. And I don't think it's because... I had expectations low because I didn't think a Hawkeye series was going to be good. I've really, like, become more and more drawn to Clint, you know, especially with the events in Endgame. Hawkeye, it premiered on the 24th of November, and I could not get enough of this show. I loved how they expanded on him. I love how they introduced Kate. I love the relationship that the two of them built. I loved this, like, early 90s New York City Christmas movie, Home Alone feel. Everything they did here, they knocked out of the park. What they accomplished that WandaVision did not accomplish was they finished it. You told a complete story, and you finished it. This, for me, is the best MCU show of 2021. I couldn't agree more. Admittedly, I was asleep on Hawkeye. Uh, I thought he was the least interesting part of Avengers uh, until they started introducing his family and the safe house. And I just, looking back on it now, I love his arc throughout the entire series and how they've peeled back these layers and how it's just so endearing how he puts his family first before everything. And they really took that ball and ran with it in this series. Um, so where I wasn't sure about a full Hawkeye series, I was like, what could they possibly do? I thought they were maybe going to, being that they didn't do it in Black Widow, I thought they were maybe going to do it as a flashback and flesh out his relationship with Natasha a little bit more and I'm glad that they didn't uh, I love the show that we got I love the story I think it feels like a natural progression for the character and at the same time I don't feel like it's too much of a good thing because he is one of the original Avengers and now we're in another phase and I was like is this gonna get stale and it absolutely wasn't and as far as the setting, both time and place, it was just absolutely perfect. I totally agree with you. It felt like a 90s Christmas movie. Um, and I, I think that they also really embraced that because there were definitely some winks and nods towards the Home Alones and, uh, you know, just just everything Christmas in New York. Um, I absolutely loved it. and And I love that we got to see Yelena. And I love that... We got some answers there as far as her relationship with Nat goes. I think that that was like the perfect showdown. Yeah, and it serves as a really good extension of Black Widow. We're going to talk about Black Widow like in just a second here. Um, because Raya and the Last Dragon came out on March the 5th. Cruella came out on May 28th. And Luca came out on June 18th. It's not that we're rushing past these because they're not significant. It's that we did full episode reviews on these. Um, Raya was episode 156, Luca was 157, and Cruella was 158. I'll link them in the show notes, but you guys can hear all of our thoughts uh, about those films, you know, in length in those episodes. Black Widow. 
July 9th. I think the shame of Black Widow is that the film is so good and it got overshadowed by the lawsuit. I think that the the lawsuit between ScarJo and Disney, the fallout of their relationship, and then like they rekindled everything and we all kissed and made up, that became so newsworthy that I think it overshadowed what was a really, really good film. I agree. I think it was a little bit that and a little bit that this film was pushed back an unfair amount of times. Yes. I think this one got hit the hardest. That Probably this in Jungle Cruise as far as being pushed. Um, let me ask you, what do you think about the placement in the timeline. Are you happy that we got this now, or do you think it would have better served the character if we had seen this before Endgame and ipso facto the end of Natasha's story? No, I liked when they gave it to us. Um, I think for you to jam this movie in, that's how it would have felt. You, It would have felt like you jammed it in before Endgame because there was a time where we had Endgame and we were counting down to Endgame and it felt like, like every six weeks we were getting another MCU film and it was like, just get it out there, just get it out there, just get it out there. This would have been another thing that they had to just get out there. I actually think that because we saw the end of her story in Endgame, I actually think that it gave it uh, Black Widow... Uh, the film and, and the character too. I think you carried a different emotional connection, and I think that your emotional reactions in this film were different because you knew how her story ended. I don't. I think that if if you would have seen this before you saw Endgame, this would have just been another action movie. I don't think it would have carried the same heart. I agree with that, um, especially too because. You know, a, a lot of people rag on Black Widow, but I think she has one of the stronger arcs in the MCU. Um, you know, I had said it when we reviewed Endgame that post blip, she was really the one holding down the fort at Avengers Campus. She was the glue that was trying to hold everybody together. And she was the one who made the ultimate sacrifice. And... You know, it's interesting all of the parallels to now that we have the Hawkeye series. Obviously, you know, they were partners. Um, but what makes the two of them stand out so much is that they don't have the superpowers. They are just street fighters. And that's something that I've always loved about Nat's character, too, is that, you know, she didn't get hit with the gamma rays. She's not a god she just does this because she cares about humanity and I think that's what's so remarkable about you know her last scene in the MCU you know she's never had that same sort of I don't know if obligation is the right word but it, it sort of is in a way your your call to action when you have these powers what are you going to do just sit on your hands no you're going to go for it she doesn't have that same responsibility and she does it all anyway. So I, I love that about Nat. Um, and I agree. I, I think to, to see her make the sacrifice in Endgame, I almost feel like this would have weakened it a little bit, getting all of her backstory first. 
um, because we do care about the character. We know that she's selfless. And obviously you see that even more in the Black Widow movie, but we didn't need to to have that same respect about her. Um, I have to say, this is probably my favorite opening out of any MCU movie where they... um, they did this like hauntingly beautiful Nirvana cover over the opening credits. I thought that was amazing. Uh, I love ScarJo in this film. Uh, I really love Florence Pugh in it. And I love that this is where they started sort of poking fun at themselves, where Yelena calls her out. Why are you always posing? Um, Because, you know, these movies were larger than life as they were coming out. Now that we're in a new phase, you start to look back and it's, you know, I think even as the audience matures, we're calling things out from the earlier films that seemed awesome at the time and now maybe not so much. So between Yelena poking fun at Black Widow's poses and we didn't even get to talk about the best part of Hawkeye. How dare us? Rogers the musical. <laughs> Rogers the musical. You want to talk about satire? My gosh. Uh, brilliant. The whole thing was brilliant. And I'm glad that they gave us the post credit scene. Yeah, for sure. Jungle Cruise came out on July 30th after, I mean, it was delayed for, what, a year, right? It was a year it got pushed, um, I believe. And you know what? It was worth the wait. I really had a lot of fun with Jungle Cruise. I thought, I what I, what I feared was that it was just going to be, like, Disney Park pun after Disney Park pun after Disney Park pun. There are times where I love fan service. There are times where I think fan service is necessary. But then there are times where it's too heavy-handed. And I think Jungle Cruise, I think it hit it on the I think it hit the nail on the head. I don't think it was too much. I don't think we needed more of it. I think they did just enough where it didn't come off as being cheesy. But I loved Dwayne Johnson. I loved his character. I loved Emily Blunt. It was a little close. Her relationship with her brother was a little close to the relationship that you had uh, with Rachel Weiss and her brother in The Mummy. Um, but other than that, I really am excited to see how this story continues because it sounds like we do have more of this story that we're going to see in the future. Um, I honestly didn't love it out the gate. Uh, I certainly didn't love it as much as I thought I was going to. It's not to say that I thought it was bad. Uh, it's just that it took such a different direction than I thought. And I mean, it's Jungle Cruise. How many, like, what did I expect almost? But, um, I definitely want to give it another viewing or two. And obviously we're going to review it. Probably very soon, actually. Um, I agree with you on it not being too heavy-handed with the puns. They got the backside of water in there. They kind of did it up front, and then it was like, all right, we got that out of the way. Let's let's move on. Um, I'm still very much on the fence about how much I love the fantastical element that they brought into it. Um I think it worked for Trader Sam's part, but beyond that, I don't know that I needed all of this CGI and all of the 
supernatural elements that ended up happening because then it started to feel a little bit like a pirate's ripoff in some ways. Uh, and I would love to live in a world where, you know, that's all related to C, but I, in some ways it felt too similar to pirates. Yeah. I think what I kind of wanted it to be was a, I think I wanted it to toe the line between like a Pirates of the Caribbean and an Indiana Jones. Um, and there are elements where it does do that. And then, yeah, the supernatural element to it is it, it's it's a, I'm not going to say it's off putting. I think with multiple viewings, this is a movie I'm going to like more and more. But with that said, I did like it up front. I think there's more to it that we just need to see it a few more times to really like get a feel for what it is they were going for here. I think I also could have done without the romance element. I didn't need her to fall for him. Like they have Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson have such an amazing relationship off camera. If you've seen some of these interviews, they are the most non Disney thing you've ever seen in your life. They're hysterical. They're absolutely amazing. And I sort of wish we had left it there, especially because, you know, you, you could have taken the opportunity to have this really great feminist character that can handle herself, and she does, but I feel like it would have been better if they had just left it as there's a mutual respect for each other, and that's it. They didn't need to fall for each other. Free Guy came out on August 13th, and yes, we are mentioning Free Guy in this. Well, it is on Disney Plus now, and if you haven't seen it yet, what are you doing with your life? You, you have to. Like... I'm not going to say, for me, of all of the movies on this list, this wasn't the surprise for me. Um, it is one of the, and I'm not over-exaggerating, this was one of the best films I've seen in years. Um, Ryan Reynolds is just so Ryan Reynolds in it, but I mean that in every way that you love Ryan Reynolds when he pulls it off. Um the cameos were great. The world building was great. I thought the social commentary was outstanding. Um, yeah, this is one that you just, you have to see it. It, it really, I don't want a sequel and they're talking that we're going to get one. I don't want one. This, I don't think needs one. I think we just leave it where it is. You told the story. It was good enough, but this was one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah. I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil anything because you know, I think it's safe to assume that most people have seen everything that we've discussed so far. I wouldn't call this a hidden gem necessarily because it was very heavily promoted, uh, you know, and people are going to watch a Ryan Reynolds movie. But if you haven't gotten the chance to yet, I don't want to spoil too much. It's just incredible. Uh, so funny. I agree with you. I love the world building. I absolutely love the social commentary. They were able to do it where... Where sometimes like Falcon and Winter Soldier would feel a bit preachy, I feel like this was able to blend the comedy and the message just seamlessly and it, it didn't feel like a soapbox at all. But with all that being said, I feel like a sequel goes against everything that this film stands for. Agreed. Agreed. Shang-Chi came out on September 3rd. For me personally, this movie is my surprise of 2021. I don't I didn't know anything about Shang-Chi going into this. 
so I didn't really have any expectations. It is in my top three MCU films ever. I loved the world that they had. You know, I loved the costumes. I loved the characters. I loved the story. Aquafina again, was a very, very big surprise for me. I really liked her in this movie. This was my surprise of the year, for sure. I definitely agree. Um, yeah, we knew nothing going in. I think that made for a better viewing experience. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I don't read comics to begin with, but um, I didn't do any research. Like, I didn't read any articles about it. Like, I just wanted to go in and enjoy it. And uh, it's not to say that low expectations made it better, but it was just such a great experience, like, not knowing too much going in. Um, yeah, I really liked this one. I loved all the world building. The cast was fantastic, and I'm excited to see where they take it from here. Eternals, November 5th. This was a movie that dropped at the start of our Disney trip, actually. So we didn't get to see it right away. It was in its, I actually think it was in its third week by the time we finally got around to it. We barely made it. We It was the type of thing where it's like, okay, if we don't go, Ghostbusters is coming out and it's going to knock it out of the, uh, knock it out of theaters well, because they're going to need room. We saw Ghostbusters first, actually. Um, That's right. We did. We saw Ghostbusters before we saw that. But I think we did like, we did like back to back nights. We saw Ghostbusters and then we saw this the next night. But there was like one, I think there was like one showing yeah. on a Sunday and that yes. was it. We were like, if we don't go, we're not going to get to see this movie in right. theaters. Because Ghostbusters at that point was pushing everything out. Um, so my point in telling you that we had a three, a three week window, you know, that we hadn't seen it. We heard a lot of conflicting things. Mm-hmm. So... It was explained to me that you either love it or you hate it. It was explained to me that it could have been 40 minutes shorter. Both of those things are true. It wasn't, this is just for me, it wasn't Thor the Dark World bad. But when you talk about listing things, like I put Shang-Chi in my top three. Eternals is in my bottom two. I really found this to be quite boring. Um, visually, it was stunning. I didn't really care about any of these characters enough. And I just found the movie to... I, I feel like I feel like they didn't tell a complete story. I don't think all of the characters had character arcs. And it was just drawn out when it didn't need to be. Um, I would agree with most of that. I was super excited for this one because it's directed by Chloe Zhao. And after Nomadland, I was like, this is going to be fantastic. The way that she handles all of these different settings and the the cinematography is just going to look stunning. And it did. I'm certainly not taking away from that. Um... But when you when you think about something like Nomadland, the bar is just set so incredibly high and this fell so short. Um, the cast was great, but for an all-star cast like this, I'm wondering if that's sort of where it failed for me because there are, I think there's too many characters. 
to be honest. And I, I understand that that's how the story goes, but we just didn't get to land with some of these characters long enough. Like Angelina Jolie's character, I still don't know what her deal was, really. And I, and I feel like I feel that way about the movie as a whole, too. I still can't even honestly say, and I've been trying to figure it out, knowing that we were going to do this year interview show. I really don't know whether I liked it or hated it. I will certainly give it another shot. I'm not going to say it was good or bad because I just, I'm just confused every time that I think about it. Uh, but I definitely think it falls victim to just having too many characters. And there, there are ways around it. When you think of a film like Harry Potter, how many, I mean, okay, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, fine. But like, there are so many supporting characters and, and you get a feel for who all of them are. There are ways of doing a film like this where you feel like you spend time with characters, where they have full arcs, where you do really get to know them. Um, yeah, and it, it, I think there was a weird sort of push and pull as far as putting the band back together and then not knowing who you could trust. Uh, so I, I feel like that could have been a bit more clearly defined, but I'm I'm not sure that it's a fair assessment when I want to give it another another go. The only thing the only that was another confusing thing for me. And then then we will move on. Um I think what bothered me so much about it is there's that one scene where they're in the Amazon. It felt just like Suicide Squad. Yes. And I know it's purely coincidence because these were being shot at the same time and you know We'd seen Suicide Squad over the summer, September maybe, yeah, whenever summer, yeah. it was. Um, we saw that in theaters as well. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, where did I just see the, oh, Suicide Squad. So I, I was kind of like, you know, I don't think they intentionally ripped it off, but it took me right out of it. Home Sweet Home Alone was a Disney Plus Day drop on November the 12th. Here's the thing. <sighs> We are of a certain age. We grew up with Home Alone. I saw it in movie theaters when it first came out. Saw the second one in theaters. And then watched the franchise just take a nosedive with the straight-to-VHS sequels. Believe it or not, ScarJo was the sister in one of those. In the third one, yeah. Um so I had very low expectations going in to Home Sweet Home Alone. Um, I liked the cast on paper. And my low expectations were not really exceeded. Um, I don't need to feel bad for... You don't feel bad for Marvin Harry. You're not supposed to. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to root for Kevin McAllister. In this film, and I I understand it, it's completely different, and you do have to try to modernize that story. Like, Home Alone could not happen in 2021. So how do you, well, how do you make it happen? You don't have to make it happen. That's the thing. I kind of felt like this was one that was just best left on its own. It's a Christmas classic. You didn't need to modernize it because where they did modernize it, I don't need to feel bad for the home intruders. And that's exactly what you did. Um, 
yeah, this this is this was okay at best. There were moments that were funny, but this was almost as bad as I thought it was going to be. Agreed. Personal bias aside, because I do think that Home Alone and the sequel are both perfect films. I just, you know, I know everybody finds it stupid and modern audiences are looking at it like, how how many hits can these guys take? They'd be dead. And there are articles. There are doctors that have analyzed all of these injuries. And I think by like the, the fourth or fifth hit, Marvin Harry would be dead already. Um, but I still think they're perfect films. They're great Christmas movies and just structurally they are brilliant because really when you go back and watch them they don't miss a beat as far as when you're like well wouldn't they have just done this wouldn't wouldn't they have seen Kevin couldn't they have done it this way no they cover every little thing and this film just does not I can appreciate what they were trying to do by making us also feel sympathy for the burglars um i i could kind of tell what was happening from the trailer i was like oh they're gonna modernize this somebody's gonna lose their job and it's gonna be like desperate times and that's why they're going to burglarize this house um so spoiler alert i was right um but that doesn't necessarily mean that it made for a better film trying to root for these villains what i think drags this movie down more than anything else is the pacing because it tried to capture that opening scene of the original home alone that almost feels like noises off with everybody running around it almost feels like a stage show there's not a lot of cuts there's not a lot of edits people are just weaving in and out uh and it's meant to feel that way and where they tried to do that here it just fails so epically it doesn't create that same energy it just it doesn't read well at all uh and the rest of the movie sort of follows suit. What was a big surprise, though, is that they really didn't rely on technology a lot. And I figured that's what they were going to do. And it's like, OK, that's why it's worth retelling the story to see what he does and how he programs the smart house and, and whatever to keep them out. Um, and I sort of wish they had just used the smart house as a crutch instead of try and make him do what Kevin McAllister did. And... Um, and and kick it old school. I I just didn't love all the setups, but Kevin's plan was also way better. It was, and you know, to your point of you have doctors that are sitting there and look like I know that we now one hundred and seventy one hundred and seventy one episodes. We sit here, we break films down, we talk about them, and sometimes you do look at something and go, that couldn't realistically happen. And there are times where that's a valid point. In slapstick comedy, you ha- you suspend reality. Right. I suspend reality in the MCU because I don't believe that an alien race is going to come here with a nuclear weapon tomorrow and end our existence. But I believe that it could happen in the MCU. Like I believe they- that could happen here. At this rate, I'll believe almost anything you tell me. But... Like, there is a certain part of suspend reality. If you're sitting there trying to, like, rationalize Home Alone, just go away. Just go <laughs> away, find a new hobby, and move on with your life. Yeah, you got too much time on your hands. Encanto came out on November 24th, the final 
theatrical release of the year for Disney. And this movie, I wish it had Coco's music. Because my only knock against Encanto is that the music I didn't think was that great. Some of it was good, but when it missed, it missed. It's it's Lin-Manuel Miranda. When it hits, it hits. When it misses, it crashes. That's just how I feel. Now, I have now watched Hamilton. We've done Moana. I've watched this. At this point, I appreciate Lin-Manuel Miranda. I like him as a song and dance man. I said that when we reviewed Mary Poppins Returns. Quite honestly, I like him in Mary Poppins Returns more than I like him in Hamilton. I'm just at a point with him where maybe I missed the boat, maybe I'm wrong, or maybe I don't care. This is what it is at this point. I'm never going to get on this train that everybody that you are trying to get me on, that so many people have tried to get me on, I just, he's not the Freddie Mercury, stops calling him Freddie Mercury because he's not. The music is, to me, what keeps that film from being a perfect film. I really loved the characters. I loved the animation. I loved the story. I loved the lead character. I loved the secondary characters. That movie, to me, was one of my favorite films of the year for Disney. I agree as far as one of my favorites goes. Uh, I disagree with almost everything else. There's there's a lot to respond to with what you said. Um, we'll start with Lynn. I definitely disagree uh, with the soundtrack. This soundtrack slaps for me. I love these songs. I think this is some of his best work. You have been out running around the past couple of days. I don't think that you even understand how much I've been listening to the soundtrack. I absolutely love it. I love the introduction to the family madrigal. Um, I love Luis's song. Uh, I, that, that was when I truly got hooked uh, seeing this in, in theaters. Um, just how they synced up the camera movements to the lyrics and they sort of shook the camera a little bit and made it, you know, like flip on its side. And I just thought that that was brilliant. And I was like, that's why you hire Lin-Manuel Miranda for a project like this, because you're going to start. It was almost like a music video. You know, you're going to cater to all these beats that he's got. Um, so, yeah, I I just absolutely love the music. But I will agree with you on one thing, though. I was talking about this with my dad the other day. We were watching some, they were doing the, the Stephen Sondheim tribute and uh, they introduced him as Broadway icon, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Okay, Hamilton's brilliant, not taking that away from, from anybody. He's done in the Heights. And then he started doing all of these, like he's not Andrew Lloyd Webber. He's certainly not Sondheim. Like how we're, we're using the term icon a little bit too loosely, not just about him, but like in general as a society, not everything is iconic. Well, it's iconic because it's like once in a lifetime. Well, I gotta be honest with you. This is, I feel the same way about Adele. Now I've gone down a rabbit hole, <laughs> but they, but the icon Adele, the icon, she, she had like smokes two packs a day. She had, she had 
like three year run where she put out some music and then she disappeared for five years. Came back and did one CBS concert and that's okay. And she gone again. I also thought the plan was to not come back. I thought she was done. Anyway, back to Encanto. Um, I really loved this movie aside from the soundtrack. Um, I thought it was so brilliant how, you know, most of these films we've seen the message be to find strength in your loved ones and, and find strength in your family. And I love that they've flipped that idea on its head, uh, sort of like Incredibles did, but they still band together to make it work. And they did lean on each other when they needed to. Yeah. The way that they peeled back the curtain and put you in Mirabelle's POV where you feel so isolated from the people that you love the most and you feel like you don't fit in with the people that are supposed to love and protect you. Uh, I just thought that that was such an interesting idea to branch this story from and I just thought they did it perfectly really um upon first viewing i didn't love that we didn't go on a journey with mirabelle sort of like we did with raya but what i realized is that the house just lends itself to making you feel trapped with her um so you didn't need that big like hero's journey you didn't need her to leave that place Everything, even even Bruno, I know we're not supposed to talk about him, but even he never leaves because they they feel so trapped and so bound to their family. Um, I just thought it was such an interesting concept and just so beautifully done. I, I absolutely loved it. Was it my favorite this year, though? Let's give our top pick out of everything on this list. What was your favorite movie this year? Shang-Chi. Really? Yep. Without hesitation, it was Shang-Chi. I, I liked Cruella a lot. I liked Raya. Um, I loved Free Guy. Shang-Chi was my favorite of the year. In Disney. In Disney. Everybody really knows what my favorite movie of the year was. Thank God. Um, and it was that or good. thanks, Zool. It I was say. worth the wait. Um, but yeah, Disney, Shang-Chi, without hesitation. Uh, for me, loved Encanto, loved Free Guy, but... It was Cruella as my favorite. I thought they knocked it out of the park. I absolutely love Cruella. I mean, we spent two hours talking about that film. Mm -hmm. And we want to know what you have to say. What was your favorite film? Maybe what was your least favorite film or television show of 2021? You can let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Monoreal Radio, or you can email us, monorealradio at gmail.com. News of the Week is coming up, but first, a quick break. If you're thinking of taking a Disney trip this year, whether it's Walt Disney World in Florida, Disneyland in California, a Disney cruise, or Olani in Hawaii, get in touch with me for a free quote. I would love to help you plan a trip for you and your family. Or even if you've already booked, reach out. I want to help get you the best deal possible. You can contact me on any of the Monoreal Radio social media outlets or shoot me an email at j.zolezzi, that's Z-O-L-E-Z-Z-I, at MagicalVacationPlanner.com. So we don't have any Disney news this week, but we have some personal news to announce that we are very excited about. Um... That we've been we've been talking about it for a while privately, and we've been 
kind of like trying to figure out a way to pull all of this off. And I think now after hashing it out for a long time, we finally came up with a format that works. So we are really excited to announce that we have a side project coming and it is launching in 2022. Yes. As of next year, we are going to be Disney APs, hopefully, if things don't keep changing. Um, So we wanted to do some more parks related content since we're going to be there more often. Uh, But we didn't want to do anything that was going to change the format of this show. And we felt a separate project was probably the best way to go about this because there's no real way to tie the two together being that they are such separate interests. Um, We've mentioned it on the show before uh, that Sean is a sommelier um, and I really enjoy drinking. So, (laughs) (laughs) so we figured what better way uh, than, than to combine our, our interests, uh, our love of wine and our love of Disney parks. And we are going to bring you wine and dine Disney which came to me one day when I was looking at the word Disney and I realized the word dine is popping right out of it and how nobody else has figured that out to that point is beyond me. Well, we figured it out. So yeah, Wine and Dine Disney is coming in 2022. I'm not going to throw too many more details at you because we are still a little ways away from the launch but it is coming soon and once we do launch it then you know we'll we'll be a little bit more forthcoming with what we're going to be doing because we have a lot of fun ideas things that we're going to do to make it interesting um that does combine you know my profession and, and it is a hobby of ours t- as well with wine tasting and, and with food and beverage really in general i've been a food and beverage guy for half of my life um, you know, it's my industry. It's it's where I've spent most of my professional career. Um, it, take that with the love of Disney. We know that we can make it work, and we're really excited to bring you this content. And I'm really excited to bring forward, sooner rather than later, the logo design. That has been my favorite. Aside from the research and development, this has been my favorite part of this project so far. I'm obsessed with this logo and you can see it. We, we will link through monoreal radio to the new social media channels. Those, those we are going to put out there right away. Yeah. Our really, really dear friend Kelly at karma and kismet. We have mentioned on the show, you know, that she does graphic design and her specialty is Disney content creators when it comes with, you know, branding and media kits and the graphic design and we went to Kelly and it was a no brainer. It was a no brainer. And Kelly came to us with something that like neither you or I had conceptualized what she did. But when we saw it, it was like immediate. It was like, that's the one. Well, she gave us three options to choose from and looking at the two of them, I was like, get out of my head, man. But the one that we ended up going with was the one that she just did. And and we just absolutely fell in love with it. Yeah. So we're going to put all of that out there soon. Kelly did an amazing job. Um, We've been sitting on this for a couple of months, admittedly. We've been wanting to put this out there, um, but we were waiting for the right time. And like I, something else is coming. I, I want to talk about it now, but we can't talk about it now. 
but something else is coming in 2022. I'm hoping that in about a month or so, we can finally tell you guys what's happening, but something else is coming to Monoreal Radio that we are so excited about and excited to share with you. And I, I really want to talk about it now, but we can't talk about it now. It's not a baby. I'm it, just putting that it's out. It's not there. a. It's not a kid. Um, we can't talk about it just yet, and it's killing me that we can't. But the point is, we've got a lot of really exciting things happening in 2022, and we have exciting things coming in 2022 because of all of the support that you showed us in 2021 and 2020, and you know, and. Every, all of the support that we have had since the show launched, the friends that we have made, the people that we have met, this is why we continue to do this. I have I have said on the show before, and I'm up front, we don't make money for this. You know, this is just for us. It's we love doing this. We love the interaction with all of you. All of this is what's making 2022 possible. And that's just my way of saying be patient with us because we do have a lot of change coming it's change for the good be patient and just thank you just thank you in general for all of the support that you have shown monoreal radio this year and in the years that have you know preceded it yes whether you are a longtime listener or a new listener we thank you so much uh and we we do have a physical thank you as well we do have a giveaway this week we do have a giveaway this week we have a monoreal radio t-shirt and from the Hidden Mickey Supply Co., we have not a straw charm this time. It's one of their fantastic Christmas ornaments that they made. I'm obsessed. I'm completely obsessed. The Poison Apple Straw Charm is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, and Hidden Mickey Supply Co. also has that available in Christmas ornament form. It's so cool. I love the ooey-gooey green drip that they managed to achieve. Uh, so we are going to, even though it's after Christmas, you will have it for next Christmas for your tree. Yes. Um, so as per usual, I think what we'll do is we're going to have a social media post on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Like the Follow us on the social media. You have to be following us. And uh, like the post and tag a friend. Yes. I think that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to let this linger for an for an extra couple of days because we all have holiday head right now. So I'm going to say we're going to run this until Monday, January 10th at 11.59 p.m. Perfect. And then we will announce it later that week who our winner is and we will get your prize pack mailed out. Well, we said it before. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A thousand times. Thank you. Uh, for this week and for every week on Monoreal Radio. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate us on Verbal or your podcast platform of choice. We mentioned the social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok as well at Monoreal Radio. The email address is monorealradio at gmail.com and for links to everything, we are online at monorealradio.com. Have a safe and happy new year. For Jackie, I'm Sean. Have a magical week, everyone. On behalf of Monoreal Radio, we'd like to thank you for joining us. We'll see you at the movies, the stuff dreams are made of.